It's that time of week again, time for the Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast. This is episode six, and yet again, we've got an absolute belter for you. I'm your host, Ross Anderson, joined as always by John Muir. John, how are you this week? I'm, I'm good, Ross. I'm good. Um, I'm a little bit, little bit gutted, obviously, with the news that we've had over the weekend about the sad passing of Doddy Weir. Yeah, yeah, I had the privilege of, of meeting Doddy a few times as he frequented down here on holiday at Gatehouse. Mm-hmm. He used to come across and, and watch some of the matches at Stuartry. So it's a massive, massive loss to the to the rugby community. Yeah, it's, it's someone that I I never had the privilege of meeting, but I, I think it doesn't matter how old you are. If you if you know about Scottish rugby, you know the influence he had, you know the, the presence that he had for, for everyone in Scotland. So a, a massive, massive loss but he was a great guy and very lucky for you to have met him I mean the work he did for M- M&D was just incredible after his, after his rugby career you know to be hit, hit with that and still persevere and come with a smile on his face and you know give the time to a lot of people that, um, you know that he met signing autographs and giving pictures you know he was a real character of the game yeah yeah true true legend of the game so from Slightly sadder point to what is going to be a great episode, I think, John. I'd like to start by saying thank you to everyone that had some lovely feedback on our episode last week with Stafford McDowell, which was our first interview on Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast. But we go straight into it again. We've got our second interview already lined up, and it is one I've been very, very excited for. So it is my pleasure to introduce Newton Stewart head coach Martin Wallace to the pod. First things first, Martin, how are you? How's, how's your week been? Uh, I'm good, guys. Thank you very much for having me on this evening. Uh, yeah, week's been good so far, obviously. Uh, coming off a back of a win on Saturday, it kind of sets you up for the week rather than ruins uh, the, your Sunday and the beginning of it. But uh, yeah, we had a good, ga- good game on Saturday. Uh, the boys sort of bounced back. And uh, yeah, we're looking forward to our game this Saturday at home. We're back at Bladnick Park. Martin, before before we go any further, I'm I'm going to struggle to call you Martin this whole podcast. So Please I'm going to introduce yeah, you. Perfect. I'm going to introduce you as Wiley because I I can't call you Martin. Where did the name Wiley come from? Yeah. Well, I'm glad I'm glad, I thought we might address this. So a lot of people just who don't know me just think it's my name, but no, I, there's no Wiley in my name whatsoever. Uh, I was given it from a friend's father when I was about. 12 years old, 13 years old, and uh, we may have been at the pub uh, on a Sunday night and had a sleepover, and I think my mother might have thought that I was just over-visiting friends, uh, and he called me a wily little shit. Uh, <laughs> and, and, that's, and my friends heard it, and that's how it stuck. So from there, uh, to be honest, there are worse nicknames to have, so uh, it stuck, and uh, I don't mind it at all. Uh, everybody knows me as Wiley. I'm quite happy with that. Yeah, there's been a few times I've, I've been talking about you on the pod and I've, I've been trying to say, go to say Martin, and then I'm like, I can't, I can't do it, Wiley. It's always been Wiley, it always will be. Absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> quite happy with that. <laughs> so, Wiley, someone, a lot of people listening might not have known your nickname and they might not know your kind of rugby story. So if you could tell us a little bit about your your journey in, in the sport that we love. That would be- uh, well, my first, my... Initial uh, rugby experience was uh, I kept this quite quiet over over the years, but was at Wigtonshire Rugby Club. Uh, when I, when I was starting up, there wasn't a junior section at Newton Stewart, so uh, they had it set up at Wigtonshire. 
So I played uh, primary school up till there, uh, and then my secondary education, I went away to school to Dollar Academy. So that's where I was sort of uh, a, a good rugby school, uh, and it was at the forefront of everything that we did. So six years there, uh, was lucky enough to get in the first and play some district rugby after that, uh, and then carried my rugby experience on to when I went to agricultural college. Uh, so I played for Edinburgh University uh, in first year, and then after that, I actually committed and came back and played for Newton Stewart, uh, which over the years, quite a lot of players have done. Uh, they've shown the commitment to, to, to stay, uh, go up to, so you, we don't lose those players, basically. So they go away to Edinburgh, Glasgow, but they still come back. Uh, so I finished college, uh, went travelling for a year, played a season of rugby in the far north of New Zealand, and then returned home to the to the, the family farm uh, in 2001. And I've been here since. Uh, played all, came back, played immediately, and still technically am player coach. Uh, I don't know, this year I've had two minutes uh, at the end of the game against Preston Lodge, uh, and, well, it still counts, doesn't it? Absolutely, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Is that just to keep? Is that just to keep the registration yeah. going? Well, that's it. no, just the record. Just the, the record just counts as another season of play. Another season yeah, played. So, uh, oh, we'll see. We'll see. One thing I've always been quite curious about is the transition from player to coach. How did you find that? Is it a smooth transition, or is it something that actually might look quite easy, but but is quite hard to do at first? Well, I was I was actually very fortunate. So when uh, I sort of made the transition to player coach, I did it with somebody else, another player, but he he played less. So he sort of took the training sessions, but I almost like managed the, the teams that Alistair got. Uh, we did it together for two years. Uh, and that, that made it easier because I was still playing. I was very much active and I was put, there's a lot of input going in. But I wasn't having having to, uh, you know, run training sessions, etc. Et that was that was his side of things. He did that for two years and then stopped, and then that's when I sort of took over a sole role. Uh, was it difficult? I think it, I think it could be very difficult, but the the group of players that we had made it particularly easy for me. Um, and actually, it's probably one of the main reasons that I got into. Uh, or put my name forward to coaches because I could see the potential in the players that were there and the ones that were coming up through. Uh, so I, I hedged my bets that, you know, the sort of the following sort of two, three, four years, uh, things would go pretty well. Did you, did you always know you wanted to do it, the coaching, or did it kind of come, as you say, you know, you saw the talents coming through and it was an opportunity showed itself or was there always a part of you that, Quite, was quite keen to get into it. I think when you're sort of uh, in your mid-twenties, like you, you're right in it, uh, you're playing, you're going out on a, a Saturday night with your mates, uh, win, lose or draw, it's great. But then when you start coming to the end of your career, so I would have been early thirties when sort of this came about and I just thought, what's next? You know, I'm not going to keep playing forever. I'm going to you know, there's better players coming up through. I'm getting a bit old. So do I want to stop my rugby journey here or do I want to continue doing it? Uh, and I still thoroughly enjoyed it. So I thought it was just the the, ne- the natural progression to go on and uh, give it a go. 
see, you know, I had no coaching experience uh, and I obviously just went straight into first 15 coaching, which, you know, was a bit of a jump into the deep end. Do you not find though, Wiley, but when you when you are a player and you transition into that coaching role, you know what it's like as a player. You know what training sessions you you wish it was like, and Massively. then you're able to you're able to make that happen. Yeah, huge, huge. I think uh, the thing was when I when I went into it uh, immediately, I was like current, so I was I, I was still playing, so I realised what was going on. So I wasn't trying to teach things that were maybe in 10 years ago, you know, when I was sort of captain of the club or things like that. Uh, but yes, and what works and what doesn't, what you enjoy doing, you know, drills, fitness, you know, running around the pitch, doing two-minute runs pre-season, nobody enjoys it. Sometimes there's a place for it, don't get me wrong, but uh, people want to be playing rugby and you want to make it fun. You want to get them playing games, doing doing fitness without knowing they're doing fitness you know, improving that way. So, yeah, I think that did help. Uh, but again, the player buy-in from the whole thing was, you know, immediate. There was certain... At the time when I took over, uh, there was a fellow, William McCormick was uh, a captain, uh, and he just got it. I still don't think uh, the success the club have, ha- have had uh, over the years, a lot of it goes down to how he ran that team. What he, how, how he had them in the changing room, he led by example, bit of old school, no nonsense. Uh, and if there was anything that I had to address, I didn't have to address it with anybody but him. And he would like put it as like a coach's dream. So I, I was very spoiled early on that way. Uh, and those standards have thankfully maintained uh, over the years. One thing we, we spoke to Stafford about last week is the importance that uh, his school had on him and the the opportunities he had to travel around after he did the the school kind of rugby his first involvement in in that kind of really rugby focused area like it was for yourself at dollar how much of an influence did somewhere like that and your travels in New Zealand have on yourself as both a player and maybe as a coach now when you look back listen to the interview last week with Stafford his he was obviously there slightly uh later than I was, and uh, it certainly seemed a lot more of a sort of professional environment. He was there. I mean, there was, we trained three times a week and played a game on a Saturday, uh, and, you know, we took it very seriously. But uh, I think what it was is everybody was playing rugby, and if you weren't actually playing rugby, you were throwing a rugby ball about the place, uh, and you were maybe talking about rugby, and it was it was all on site, and it, it, you just got, it just, you were immersed by everything. Uh, and the pinnacle was to play for the first 15. Uh, and lucky enough, I got there in my sixth year. But what actually my memories of uh, that were, it was, there was one coach uh, and he took over the first 15 when I was in sixth year. Now I, I played seconds the year before. Uh, and for pre-season, one of the players never turned up. And he took a punt on me to move from hooker to Loosehead prop. I always remember that, that, you know, it was just by chance that this happened uh, and he backed me and, you know, uh, absolutely took, took the bit by the teeth and got stuck into it. Played for Midland Schools that year uh, and sort of never looked back. But I just wonder, you know, it's just certain, a, a certain coach can do something for you and you'll, you'll never forget it. And I think that for me, 
uh, you know, you can make a difference to an individual more, you know, not just a team. Uh, that's what I'm taking. Uh, in New Zealand, my travels, what I got was we were in the far north uh, and the team that I played for, it was just a community. It was everybody mucked in uh, and, you know, it was real, real uh, grassroots rugby and it was fantastic. I mean, some of the places we played rugby, getting changed uh, in sheep pens, in fields with sheep being uh, taken off the fields as you arrive, uh, just perfect, absolutely perfect. So not that dissimilar from Bladnock Park, really. <laughs> I was just, just going to say, <laughs> just like Bladnock. <laughs> yeah, well, that's right, yeah. So, uh, and that club in New Zealand, the, the contacts I made... Uh, 17 years later, four of our boys went over when the Lions were on uh, and went up and played for the same club. So, you know, just rugby's a great sport. You make great contacts with people uh, and they're good people that play rugby all around the world. So, uh, no, delighted to be involved in it and still involved with it after all these years. So, see, when you were talking there, Wiley, about how that that coach taking a punt on you um, changed, basically changed the trajectory of, of your rugby career... Are you are you conscious? Is that at the forefront of your mind when you are coaching Newton Stewart? You know, the results and winning leagues and promotions are all all awesome. They're all good, you know, byproducts. But is that is that your focus? Is that your your real driver for doing it? Uh, yeah, there's there's been a couple of uh, sort of individual. Uh, so obviously, you, rugby is the best. I mean, it's the team sport. It's uh, the best team sport that you can get. You know, the camaraderie and everything like that. But individually. Uh, you know, there's players that have sort of come through school. Uh, so, a classic example last year was uh, we had a, a guy at our club, uh, Malky Wright, who kind of floated about on, on the wing for us for uh, a few years and sort of was in and out, but played the odd game. And pre season, I said to Malky, What do you think about coming into the forwards? And because uh, he's a very athletic guy, you could see that our line out was a little bit lacking and thought, Well, he could do the job. And it changed him. It changed him. He, he was a completely different player. He, he Until he got injured last year, he was a huge part of the success of the team. And you're right. I don't know whether I would have thought outside the box, whether, but what's happened to me in the past, maybe I, uh, you know, look at that. And to me, that to me, that's probably, I get the most out of that, is that you get an individual and you give them the chance and they actually show you, you know, they can do it. Because there's plenty of people that probably can play at a much, much higher level if they just get sort of the chance to prove themselves. Yeah, and you were saying that you you got to play at a higher level. I watched a little interview with you over over lockdown, and you you dropped a few big a few big names. I thought I'd pull well, you up about I? it and see see if you're going to drop them on the pod. Well, well, listen. I may have been in the same squad of these players, <laughs> but I was never at the same level as. So I, because I went uh, to school in what was then the North and Midlands, uh, I got brought into Cali Reds under-19 uh, squad for the Inter-District Championship. And there was a certain uh, Jason White that was in that squad. I'll never forget this. Uh, training up at Doofus Park at uh, Cooper, we're doing some pad drills and I'm holding this pad. And of course, you know, first person to run is Jason White and he puts me on my arse like... Arse over Ted, backwards, and I was like, uh, and this is me supposed to be a, a loose head prop. 
So the drill continues, I get back on my feet. He comes back around, of course, the time's happened. Jason White's coming at me again. And I'm thinking, right, got a time to see face. I'm going to hit him as hard as I can. I'm not going down. Oh, no, I just did exactly the same thing again. <laughs> and, I, and I just thought, you know what? And I, at that, uh, so we played the 19s uh, and the following year, there was under 21s. And we did a one session with under 21s. And I was actually taking a year out from college. And we kind of got the chat, you know, this is the your defining point. You're either going to, if you really want to work hard, rugby could be for you. Now, I was never, I was never going to be a professional rugby player. I, I knew that. Uh, my lifestyle as an, an Edinburgh agric uh, wasn't going to allow that for one and my, my lack of ability. But yeah, Jason went on and he did great things. Uh, he was a, an icon of Scottish rugby. Uh, and we all like to say that we, we played with somebody good, so that's probably my my claim to fame. So at least at least you're open enough to say that he put you on your arse. Oh, <laughs> was just so badly. I mean, you could have said, I floored Jason White, an absolute legend. You would never have believed it, would you? I wouldn't have, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to say, I, I have a lot of friends that like to say they played with someone, but we'll, we'll never mention the ones that ran over them. So Yeah, no, no, he... he he gave him me my parties. You've you've obviously played some great rugby as we as we've just said, but to you, it's Newton Stewart. That's that's what has been so big for you in your life. So so moving forward into Newton Stewart from the amazing people and places you played with, what what does Newton Stewart mean to you personally? Well, I mean, it's it's home. So it's you know seven miles away from my farm. Uh, I've met my best friends playing up through the years with, with it. Uh, so it means everything. And then going forward, like my dad's been president, my mum's been treasurer, and my wife is the current president. Uh, I coach the micro, so my son's now playing. Uh, so it, it's just, I don't know, it's hard to put, to, to define exactly what it means to me, but it's, yeah, it's, it's a massive part of my life. Uh, I always got told actually it wasn't in rugby it was uh, in a difference where I used to do I used to be in the pony club years ago and the, the GC of the pony club always said to us you know once you've finished with this make sure you give something back and I think that's at Newton Stewart that's very abundant the, the volunteers that put so much work into it and it just works there's you know there's so many people work behind the scenes and People might look at the first 15 as the, you know, the gauge of success for the club. But, you know, we are, we're working with the, the product of what's come up right from the micros at P1 to P3 all the way up to the under-18s. And uh, they've, trust me, coaching primary one to primary threes, I know how challenging it can be. Uh, so, yeah, I, I just take my hat off to everybody that's involved in the club. We're all singing off the same, same hymn, hymn sheet. And at the moment, things are going great. So uh, long let it continue. So is that is that you signed up for coaching now for the next 12, 13 years as your, as your kids transition up through? Well, is it, <laughs> is it harder to coach your kids? Uh, I, listen, if I've got time to do it, I'll do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, sometimes coaching the first 15 is quite similar to coaching primary ones. <laughs> Nobody listens. <laughs> the, ta- the tantrums. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I think one one thing that I've 
to be honest, people are probably sick of me asking this, but I'm a I'm an Edinburgh boy that's recently come down to to Dumfries and Galloway. Um, my my family live very close to Stuart Rugby Club. I've got involved with them, and and it's my first introduction to rugby in this area of Scotland. So, as I say, I ask everyone this, and I'm sure they're sick of it. But to you, rugby in Dumfries and Galloway is it that basically what Newton Stewart embodies? It's that community. It's that camaraderie. It's that 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 whole togetherness as a club is what you see in the rugby in Dumfries and Galloway because often I feel rugby in this part of Scotland is somewhat forgotten about. Would you agree or? Well, I don't know if it's forgotten about. I tell you one reason I, I don't really agree with that is because obviously, uh, tragically, Adam Gray passed away, but Adam Gray was the biggest supporter of Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Club. He, not just Stuart Trey, uh, he always touched base with us and uh, he he banged the drum up at Murrayfield without a doubt. So I, I don't think it would be possible for us to be forgotten about. Yeah, and he really and he really like drove things. Uh, I think probably one of the downsides is for the, the players coming through. There's great players come out of Dumfries and Galloway, but the highest club is in national too. So if they want to progress further, uh, you know, we've had on, in the recent years, uh, Gav Wilson's gone up to uh, Super 6 uh, with Ayrshire Bulls. Uh, Alan Ferry that played with us a couple of years ago, he went went across the borders. Uh, and then Mark McCormick dipped his toe in it uh, this year as well. So, I mean, there are uh, opportunities, but you've got to go looking for them. You've got to commit to travel. Uh, you know, Stafford, you know, ended up going away. Uh, Robbie Smith, who's from Newton Stewart, they both sort of came through the same pathway. So I don't think it's forgotten about, but it is just the the, the geography of it. Now I think Dumfries and Galloway rugby uh, rugby is probably you know it's thriving at the moment. The club the clubs are doing well. You asked me about the community thing. Yes, it is. It, it's all about that. There's lots of juniors playing. It's just getting people playing rugby and and keeping them playing because yeah. I know it, John you know yourself you know you can take them all the way up through uh, from P1 to 18 years old and then they just drop off the, the face of the planet and you know it's just trying to get people going uh, and I think our job is to make sure that the clubs that we've got they're enticing these people to come so make it community based make, make it a social uh, hub make it where people want to come on a Saturday and spend their time uh, and, and I think that's just all we can do. Uh, there's so many choices out there. Uh, you can only make do as much as you can and see if you can get them to tune into it. Yeah, I think one of the big strengths that we have as well down here, Wiley, is, is you know how close the clubs are, like with working together. You know, we have that we have that rivalry between us all, where we'll all we'll have a right good ding dong on the, on the pitch, but we have we have one eye on the on the bigger picture. So the, the likes of ourselves, you know, Newton Stewart, Shire and um, Stewart Trey forming that Galloway seconds team so that those guys that are just missing out on first 15 rugby, that, you know, those 18s that are disappearing, um, that usually would drop off because they don't quite make first team rugby, now have an opportunity to continue playing. Um, you know, Annan have their second team, Dumfries have their second team, you know, us working together as clubs as D&G, regional schools t- tournament that we talked about previously. You know, we have that rivalry 
where you know as you said you, you tried to keep it quiet that you you started your rugby at Shire because we know the rivalry between Shire and Newton Stewart but you know deep down there is there is that you want to see them doing well and they want to see you doing well they'll just not say it to each other's faces absolutely absolutely uh, and we've discussed this uh you know Joan wife and the national one and two forums about you know shortening the season and stuff like that our biggest days without a doubt are when we have a local derby so the league matches between Dumfries and Newton Stewart are massive and then every year we play Shire and Spice Cup uh, and it just because of the time between Christmas and New Year, it's a huge, huge day for, for the clubs financially and just getting everybody there. I mean, there'll be hundreds of people watching these matches and it's a real the atmosphere for the players and everybody in, involved with, with the clubs. It's fantastic. So, yes, uh, there is a huge rivalry, but we all want to see one another doing well. Yeah, and it, you know, I don't mean this as an offence to Hamilton, but you know, no one's really going to remember the the trip to Hamilton this weekend, where where you you picked up your victory. But they'll remember the victory in the Spice Cup because yeah. it's all their pals will talk about, and that that's what builds the memories. Hugely, yeah. And uh, Newton Stewart, obviously, Newton Stewart are playing at a higher level than Wigtonshire, but the gap has tightened quite considerably, and it's. Only a matter of time until Wigtonshire turn Newton Stewart over. Uh, I am hoping I'm not involved in that day. <laughs> uh, but you, you know, but but that's like the boys don't never go into it thinking you know we're going to win this. It's like we're playing Wigtonshire. It's a local derby. It's like everything goes. Unfortunately, uh, our our main referee Rob McHenry has uh, retired. So Rob is very good at uh, when things boiled over in these matches, uh, producing a pink card. And uh, the only uh, outcome of it was that you had to hug it out in the pitch and then everything was forgiven. So uh, we could have maybe do with a few more of them in, the, in, in real games. Well, you mentioned about that, that gap closing at the moment. Have you seen that in recent years? Would you say that these, these teams are getting closer and closer together? Or is it, is it something that's always kind of been around since you've been involved at Newton Stewart? I think my years with Newton Stewart, we've had success and we've had some pretty average seasons. Uh, and there's absolutely no doubt about it. The club thrives best when you've got success. So, you know, Wigtonshire are, are pushing at the top of that league. Stewart are doing really well. Uh, Newton Stewart are, you know, in the fight as well as Dumfries, you know, it's a really tight league. That So I think when teams are, and not, you don't have to be getting promoted every year, but if you're, you know, playing some good rugby, the boys are enjoying themselves. It's just success breeds success. Uh, and I think that's where we are at the moment in Dumfries and Galloway. Uh, and again, it's just the work that goes in, uh, the skill set. You know, I know Sandy, uh, so Sandy and I did a course together, coaching course, uh, and obviously Gregor Henry's come and, you know, to accelerate our teams. You know, we needed to become better coaches so our, our teams become better. Wigtonshire have got Gregor Henry down, uh, so he's come back. He played a lot of seasons at Ayr, so he's got a huge amount of experience. And Gav, obviously, uh, at Dumfries, he's got a huge experience as well. So there's people that are, you know, they've seen a bit of rugby, and they've been sort of through coaching courses. So all the clubs are putting themselves in 
the best possible position to to thrive. Yeah, I think the, the standards been been driven up the th- throughout Dumfries and Galway rugby. You know, as you as you say, coaches now it's it's no longer good enough that they played five ten years ago, um, and they they were once a good player, so they'll they'll make a good coach. You know, the, the boys. The level of rugby and the standard of rugby that guys are playing or experiencing in youth, as you said, um, you know they're coming up into first team rugby, expecting that next step. And as coaches, you know it's it's good that clubs are investing in that and and making sure that the the coaches have the support behind them in order for their teams to be successful. Moving to today, this how how's the season? How are you seeing this season so far? Well, we can't complain. Uh, it's been a it's been a pretty good season. Uh, so we play Berwick this weekend, and that will be at the halfway point in the season. Uh, Eleven games played. We've, yeah, the boys have done really well. We've lost a few. We've lost three games, uh, all away matches against Aki's Peebles, uh, and then uh, the game against Preston Lodge. But it's so tight in this league. Uh, looking at the table, you know, there's there's absolutely nothing in it. And there's going to be a lot of, uh, not surprises, but, you know, you could win against the top team in the league and then quite easily go, uh, you know, we played Hamilton who are bottom on Saturday and we came away, uh, it was 30 points to 11, but by no means was it uh, plain sailing. And actually, you know, Aki's got, um, Hamilton got on the wrong side of the referee a little bit and that sort of played into our hands a bit. So I think, you know, people's lost to, La Suede, uh, which was a bit of an upset, so they were sitting at the top of the table. So, yeah, as as far as it, the season's gone so far, we cannot complain. You know, we're we're up near the top, but there's a, a hell of a lot of rugby to be to be played yet. Welcome back to part two of the Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast. The part you'll be familiar with now, it's the results roundup and fixtures preview. But this time, you'll be happy to know you won't just be listening to myself and John witter on for the next 20, 25 minutes. Wiley has very kindly stuck around to chip in on this week's results and fixtures around the grounds, even after having sat through our questions for, for the last half hour. So thanks for that, Wiley. As we start with the results, we actually kick off with Newton's win over Hamilton. So who better to bring us in than the head coach himself? Take it away, Wiley. How did it go at the weekend? Well, we were obviously looking for a reaction after uh, we went away to PL and got a bit of a a doing over there. So, yeah, we went up there. Uh, The game itself, first half was a little bit scrappy. Uh, Hamilton lived off a lot of our mistakes, but we, we scored fairly early on with the Robert Service try up the wing uh, but we made a few we forced a, uh, a few things and Hamilton came back into it so uh, after a Jack Gaw penalty I think it was 11 and they had a penalty as well so it was 11-8 at half time but it was quite a strong wind so uh, I was just keen to get the boys to realise that a strong wind doesn't mean automatic victory but no they, they, they played much better in the second half David Gaw uh, Russell Morton uh, scored. David Gaw and Russell Morton scored. Russell uh, is back playing for us as our fullback. He's been away in Australia for six weeks, so uh, it's great to have him back. He uh, he's a he's a, a class player, so he played the eighty minutes. 
And uh, I was told that if I didn't mention this in this podcast, there would be a revolt at the club. Uh, Mark McCormick scored the, the fourth try. <laughs> an emphatic pushover scrum from the five-metre line, which if anybody has seen Newton Stewart play over the last few years, the scrummage in uh, in National 2, uh, we don't often bully teams about the pitch. So uh, a big shout-out to the, the front five. So we'll be expecting the same against Berwick, who are massive next week. Yeah, once a front row, always a front row. Area. That's it. Yeah, too right. <laughs> Gonna give them that. Yeah. So uh, we finished. We got the bonus point uh, try. That was Mark. So it finished thirty uh, eleven. Uh, so five points, and yeah, uh, more than happy with that. Anything on the road is good. Uh, a bonus point is uh, exceptional. So pretty pleased. As you know, Wiley, we we do the the know you know the score predictor. And you'll you'll be glad to know that everyone, everyone predicted uh, a Newton Stewart win. So, good on you. (laughs) And and a shout out to uh, Dumfries' Jack Steele, who who managed to get the closest. He predicted uh, 33-10. So, that's pretty pretty close. He's doing all right in the old score predictors. Normally it's Dumfries ones. I always think he fixes them, but he's he's managed to pull one out for you guys. So even Dumfries are supporting Newton Stewart, looks like. That's nice. That's the captain as well. John, I was going to... Wiley mentioned earlier that uh, how competitive it is in these leagues and Newton picking up a win away from home. We saw another away from home, Dumfries and Galloway side, Saints, who just fell short of, of Glasgow Aki's, which again puts more more emphasis on this league. It blows the wee, the league wide open yet again. Yeah, as, as Wiley said, you know, anybody can beat anyone in that in that league. So Aki's were sitting top and and Dumfries went into that game, you know, sitting the bottom half of the table. So on paper, it looked like um, it should be an easy victory for the for Aki's, but um, the two defenses at the, in the in the game were were stone walls. They were making sure that nothing went through. The, there was two the two scores uh, in the game. Uh, well, two of the scores. One was an intercept. That was Dumfries managed to score an interception try five minutes from the end, and um, Aki's scored with a quick tap. Penalty. So it just shows you in, in general play how good those those defences were. That they they just nullified each other and stopped each other from from playing. Basically, massive collisions between the two sides. A big shout out to to Ian Carlyle, the number eight, Rory Coburn, and Tom Martin, two front rowers for Ewelly and our front row union getting a shout out. Ian Carlyle, the number eight, obviously. They they were just outstanding across across the board. They were they were holding their own. Uh, Jason, the new South African 10, pulled out a man of the match performance. So he's obviously settling settling into life in the southwest of Scotland. That'd have been a that'd have been an interesting one for him in that, that blown gales, wind and, and rain that we had at the at the weekend. And uh there was a bit of controversy, a little bit of controversy for the pod, is that the the previously mentioned Jack Steele actually received a yellow card for a high tackle. But during that time, when they were down to they were down to fourteen men, Dumfries didn't concede a try. So again, just shows how how hard they were willing to work. But the the controversy was that the referee in the game was actually Dumfries and Galloway's Craig McCann. And for those of you who don't know, Craig was a PE teacher. He's now one of the head referee guys for Scottish rugby. And Jack and Craig used to used to actually teach together. 
Um, so, so his own his ex colleague was uh, no mitigation. You're going off, you're going off, Jack. Yellow card, shoulder to the head. Jack says there was a slip. The boy slipped, and that was why. It's not like Jack to be a dirty player, but I'm sure I'm sure John Steely's dad would have uh, would have been having words if, as an ex referee himself. But Craig McCann, binned one of our own. Fair play to him, though. Rules are rules, aren't they? So... <laughs> <laughs> no favouritism shown. No, exactly. Speaking of working hard for your wins, uh, I think Annan deserve a good shout-out this week. Very nice 34-7 win over Carrick. Annan, Annan struggled a little bit in the in the first half before they, 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 they managed to figure out that out wide was where they, they had the advantage over Carrick. Aaron Carmichael got moved out of uh, out of his normal position, sort of in the midfield, and moved him a little bit wider, and he, he really found a lot a lot of space. Uh, and the highlights that I seen, he was he was making some real good breaks and and getting the pass away. So just for the guys at Aaron, obviously Gogs is the coach. Uh, it's it's uh, Aaron's Aaron's dad. It wasn't Gogsy that said that Aaron had been playing well. It was it was highlights that I had seen. So there's no favoritism being shown there. That's a that's a genuine. He, he had a fairly decent game from what I seen of the seen of the results. But of course they, they now go into a double header. Carrick, Carrick sitting bottom of that that league, so again they've they've got to look to to pick up some some points there. But Shaz, they had the their big number eight Shaz back. He's come back now. Uh, he he had an impact playing in there. Previously we talked about how their forward pack really struggles on a on a soft pitch, but um, instead this weekend they they really showed it. I mean Wiley, you'll know what Violet Banks like for uh, on the wet. Yeah, I mean. I mean, Bladnick Park's just uh, on par, but uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's hard. It's hard, uh, and you know, normally if you've got a, a wet pitch, you sort of use that as your strength. But we certainly uh, maybe used to, uh, but you know, when it's wet and you're up against a big pack, it's uh, it's gonna be a hard day at the office sometimes. But you just have to find a way, don't you? Yeah, well, that's I think that's what happened. You know, they, they thought wet weather, let's play up the jumper when in actual fact the, the, the spaces were wide, which is why it took them to the second half. So, but a good, uh, a good result for them. Um, and just we're going to double up on the on the score predictors for those two because um, a shout out to to the young Stewartry boy Tom Callender, who's now a Merky Castle boy, I suppose we'll call him that. Uh, he was the closest on the score predictor for both the Dumfries score. And the Annan score, he was uh, he was seventeen twelve for Aki's Dumfries, and he was bang on at thirty four seven for the for the Annan game. So so Tom, if you are want to buy a lottery ticket, get it on now, son. Well done, Tom. I, I'm not sure anyone will get uh, get this one right. This was a big score at the next one, Wiley. I wanted to ask you about this one. Shire managing a sixty eight seven win over Clyde Bank. Something you mentioned earlier. It's it's that gap that's closing between all these teams in Dumfries and Galloway, which is which is fantastic to see. We want to see other teams doing well. You've a big rivalry with uh, with Shire, but it, it must it must at the same time be lovely to see a sixty eight seven win. You know, they're they're doing well this season. Yeah, they're doing very well. They've actually they've got obviously said earlier with Gregor coming down. Uh, Jason McKee's an experienced head there. He played for us for well. He went from Shire to us, and he's gone back uh, to Shire, uh, and the, you know they're a big influence there. But they've got a lot of good young players, uh, and you know results of like that are just showing that things are starting to knit together, and uh, they're really pushing uh, to get out of that league and in, uh, into West One, and that, that I'm sure that's the aim. 
Yeah, the report the report that I got from Gregor was that they came out of the blocks absolutely flying. Um, they, Jason McKee, as you said, in the, in the back row and Callum Smith was was just causing chaos uh, to the Clyde Bank defence, creating space all over the place, and and the and Shire were able to put Clyde Bank to the sco- the to the sword. Um, they they actually they had them nulled right up until the last five minutes. Gregor had been using the opportunity because it was such a big score to give some game time and create some competition. So he was trying some different combinations. And it just caused a little bit of an uncertainty in the defence. And fair play to Clyde Bank, they managed to to capitalise on on that. So, yeah, a, a great one for a great one for Shire. I think one that I I personally look to every every week because I know they're they're struggling a little bit this season is is Moffat, John. They they had a tough away day, Isle of Mull. I, they came away with a loss, fifty three twenty four, but. They've got. They're getting their points on the board. Is is what I'd like to like to mention because it's something that we know they've been struggling, even just scoring a couple of tries here and there. So, twenty four points on the board. It is a loss, but it, it's possibly a step forward. Yeah, so it's a four point uh, try bonus point. So they managed to come away from something with something from from a yeah. four hundred mile round trip. Like that's five and a half hours doorstep to doorstep. It's incredible, an incredible effort to, to, you know, when you haven't won a game and being able to try and pull a group of boys to get on a bus, go and grab a ferry, get over there, play a game, jump back on the ferry, get back across, back onto the bus and back home to Moffat. It's a, it's a fair effort. Um, they, they did only manage to, to travel with 11 players, but again, because of the game on principles that apply at that, at that level, um, it turned out that Mull had only had 12 players uh, as well and they ended up, they had, we think, two or three from our from our friends at Oban had came across um, to give to give them a hand. You know, and yeah, t- it ended up, if you're playing 11 a side for a full 80 minutes, that is a hard slog. Yeah. Like, we pl- play 10s for 10 minutes mm. and you're blown. You yeah. Imagine doing that for over an hour. That's just... Like unbelievable effort to to play that style, and that's that's how they played it. They played it seven style. They played it ten style. It was the, the report I got was uh, was from Cammy Little, and he says it's not his it's not his bag. You know, lots of space out in the field, being able to run around. That's that's not his bag. He's he's not a big fan <laughs> of that. But but you know, for for someone for the likes of me, I would have loved that sort of vacation. But again, you've got to give them props to go up there five hundred miles. Or I would walk 500 miles. I would walk 500 more. But to get up there, to get the to get a, a bonus point out of that, that takes them out of the negatives, that's a fair effort. So well done, Moffat. No, fair play to them. Wiley, I'm going to put you a little bit on the spot here. Do you think you can think of your worst away day as a player or coach? Have you ever ever had Easy. seven seven hour bus journeys? Maybe oh, even- oh, no, oh so uh, bus journey or result because of. Uh, Bus. I mean, we played Caithness for years, mm. uh, so we were ten hours in a bus. Uh, we normally went up to Inverness the night before, travelled the last two and a half hours, and then came back down ten hours straight. Funnily enough, the ten hours back didn't seem to take <laughs> as long. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, they're pretty. We've been to Orkney a few times, but uh, nowadays there you get the option of taking a plane. Uh, we've taken. 
a bus up to Scrabster and across. Um, but what what I have found with these are they're the furthest furthest journeys, but they're the best weekends. You know, when you go up and you stay up, uh, if you ever have the opportunity to play in Orkney and stay the night, they know how to look after you. They're uh, they're sponsored by Highland Park. Uh, They've got a game which they get all the young fellas to play. It's a game of drafts with pine glasses, and the rule is not to is not to take pieces. And if you do, you have to down pints. So they they finished off some of our younger boys in the squad. But uh, yeah, that's what it's all about. The big away days, uh, you just make the most of it. You know, you see the fixture list at the start of the season, and you think, yeah, we're just going to have to do this. Moffat, uh, they they can take the the solace that they've come away with a bonus point and they don't have to do that again this year. So I would, uh, that would be my take on that is like get it out of the way quick and get it played. Absolutely. Speaking of, um, of long away days, Aberdeen Wanderers in the shield, John came down to Stuart Tree. We were both at the game. Now it must be said, Stuart Tree, very good win, 69 nil, but you cannot take anything away from Aberdeen. That is a, that's a hell of a journey. I know that previously or before before the game they were thinking of potentially not being able to make the numbers or various different problems but they knew it was pinky day and they came down and really made a day of it and and played it within the spirit and okay the scoreline wasn't in their favor but fair play to them for coming down and 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 really getting involved in everything that the day meant for everyone yeah, half half six leave. The them boys had to they had to set off at half past six to get to get down. And as you say, they they're really struggling in their league. They've not they've not won a uh, not won a game all season. But as we said, Stewartry hadn't actually played a game in that in that cup run the the whole time, and they're through to the third round because teams just didn't want to travel, even though they asked for a national competition. They they said that they, you know, they couldn't they couldn't travel down, they couldn't get a team out. So, yeah, fair fair play to them uh, being able to come down and 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 do that. And and to be fair to them, you know, yes, the 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 golf was fairly obvious in the first twenty minutes, but they they fairly stuck to it. And there was a bit of a rut, the a bit of a route, sorry, the the very start of the game where Stuarter just it looked like it, they were just going to be like a, a real cricket score, but Aberdeen. Got their act together. They they got themselves settled into the game, and they and they actually did some fairly decent stuff. Um, Stuart were just clinical. Where any time they got into the into the danger zone, they were they were scoring points. And then in the second half, they really took advantage of the wind and and that the new fifty twenty two ruling. And that was that was sort of what the difference was. The the control that Davey Armstrong has when they when he plays ten. Stephen McCulloch with another good performance, got man of the match. David Maxwell got his hundredth cap, and um, as you say, Pinky Day. So I wanted to give a shout out to a few Stewartry boys after that good win. Fergus Bourne getting his first first try for Stewartry. Big Scuba with another two. I think that's maybe eighteen in eight games or something like that. Something ridiculous like that. So. <laughs> So fair play to him, uh, and also to Ash in the forward pack, who's been who's been working really hard. Had a few games, so he came on last few minutes, but he got a good sixty minutes out this time. So fair play to him. But um, yeah, the day the day I think goes to Scuba yet again for <laughs> for another two tries. Moving into the seconds games, then John, uh, 
Uh, Dumfries Saints, as we mentioned earlier, uh, were just pipped by Glasgow Aki's their first, but their seconds came away with a good win. Uh, close, close fought game, but another good win. 31-22 over GHK twos. Yeah, so I got a real thorough report this time um, from from Saints uh, on their second team game. So apparently there was there was a bit of rejigging on the on the Friday night with a couple of boys being called up into the into the first fifteen squad. Um, uh, GHK GHK travelled with twenty two players, so they were coming into this all guns blazing, full fully ready yeah, after the after their draw at home. Um, and GHK were actually up by 22 points in the first 25 minutes. Dumfries caught caught on the hop a little bit, but the the pack managed to to pick up the the pace a little bit. Um, managed to match the GHK, and that gave the backs some space to get to be able to to start playing and to get to get back into the game and to to start that that comeback. 31 points unanswered. After being twenty-two points down, is uh, is pretty good. So again, more more front row shout-outs, Wiley, Ross Hamlet, and uh, Mackenzie Ross played uh, played exceptionally well in the front row for the Saints too. Uh, Ewan Kennedy and Thomas Jackson um, as well. Apparently they call him Rampage. Um, so he they were they were carving up, making some making some ground there. Only forty-four percent of uh, for people that were on the know the score predictor predicted a Dumfries win, even after a twelve-twelve draw, the last the last one. So they managed they managed to to obviously get that get that home win, which which looks good for their for their twos. There was a little bit of controversy um, from another yeah. Dumfries, another Dumfries and Galloway referee. Apparently, Alan uh, from over in Shire was was referee in that game. And I had conflicting reports. So it's a good job I was able to speak to both because the Dumfries report was that they had a conversion. They kicked it, hit off the post, goes over the crossbar and then gets blown back by the wind. What's the call? It's a, it counts. Oh. Um, it counts. Should count because it crossed the plane of the crossbar. So that counts. They, they claimed that Alan said no conversion and it came back. Well, I, I I would have immediately said uh, it counts, but when you kick the ball for touch, just because it goes, it crosses the line, you can still keep it in play, can't you? You, can't. you can jump yeah. and throw it back into play, if you see what I mean. I, I know this is a conversion, but yeah. That's, yeah, that's, a, that's a good question. So uh, under the laws, because I had to go and check it, because I was the same as you, well, I was like, I'm sure that counts. And it does count if the ball crosses the plane of the crossbar, it counts. But when I spoke to Alan, he had said that the ball had hit the uh, the, the post and he was unsure whether it crossed the crossbar or not because he couldn't see whether it made it. So he then asked the Dumfries line judge and the Dumfries line judge went, I don't know. <laughs> so, so it's actually the Dumfries line judge that cost him it. <laughs> <laughs> So it's a good job it didn't come down to that to that two points. Otherwise, uh, otherwise there would have been there would have been a court martial happens. But um, there you go. Hopefully, hopefully I learn something new. If the ball crosses the plane of the crossbar and it's get blown back by the wind, it should still count. You hear about Dumfries and Galway rugby, and you learn something. So, um, <laughs> um, unlike unlike the Saints, Annan. Even though their ones won, their twos had a bit of a bit of a harder time when they came to Greenlaw. 
50-0 to Galloway in the end. They did. There's no point in me talking about it, Roscoe. You no. were there, mate. You were on the paddock. That's, that's true. I was playing. Cash ball, ball centre. It was. It was It was a very good first half. A lot of fun. Um, I think we, much like some of the other teams we've mentioned today, came up with blocks, absolutely firing. Um, just pinned as many points as we could uh, in the opening exchanges, but it was a horrible, horrible day. So... Um, <laughs> I think everyone was quite keen to get off the park by by the end of it, but some very good, very good performances and some actually very good rugby from both sides, um, considering the conditions. For me in the pack, um, shout outs to Merlin Lawrence, Henry Sainsbury, and Fraser Morrison, all played very well in the back line. Uh, Craig Mosey, who I've never played with before, was lucky enough to play with for the first time, and I think he put I would say maybe three maybe even four uh, 50-22 kicks in from, from our own 22. So 22-22 kicks, actually brilliant, getting us up the field. And I think we scored off at least two of them. So uh, so fair play to them. Craig was an ex-first 15 player. And it was his, yeah. he, he always had that massive, massive boot. He, he was our 10 when we got the went through the promotion run, um, mm. West, West 2 and the West 1. Um, yeah, massive boot on that boy. What a cannon. For us, for a, Obi doesn't mind me saying this, but for a for a skinny wee legs, he's got a fair whack, a fair punch in them. And in the in the spirit of it, you know, Alan Alan came across. Result didn't go their way, but yet again, they were there for for the day. They played it in the spirit. Um, I mean, I I made a I made my first tackle early on in the game, and I got back. I was jogging back to my position, looked down onto my arm, and it was completely pink. Um, and that's only when I noticed that they're, they were all wearing pink paint on their faces and on their arms and stuff for, for Pinky Day. So absolutely fair play to them. And, and a few stuck around for, for a beer or two after, which was which was great. And it was a great day overall. So. Yeah, every every one of them came out with the pink with the pink face paint, either either on their face or on their arms. Pink, yeah. that pink uh, horse bandage, you know, the stretchy the stretch stuff. They had that wrapped round their sleeve, you know. As as we said well in the first the first part, Adam Gray, massive massive advocate for Dumfries and Galloway rugby, and just shows how much respect he had across all the clubs. Yeah, hugely. He uh, he fought a corner massively, and he's missed. Uh, I know he's he's missed uh, severely at Stewartry where he was from, but uh, all the other clubs round about, uh, he certainly was involved with us as well, and always encouraged us. So uh, yeah, great to have such a special day, and hope. Uh, through the years coming, you know, it's a, a regular thing and hopefully we can get involved with it uh, at Newton Stewart as well. So to round up the results roundup, we've, we've won women's game, John. Uh, Shire were away to Cartha Queen's Park before we do the fixtures preview. 53-12 in the end. Yeah, it wasn't a great start for, for Shire. Uh, Carthur managed to score four tries in the first 15 minutes. They are... Their coach Alan uh, wrote it beautifully, as he said to me. It, it looked like we had never played rugby before, <laughs> so that shows you how bad a start it must have been. But as the game went on, you know the the, the Shire uh, team managed to grow grow into it. But there was some some moments of madness from from Neve Finlay and Jenna Garrett. I mean, I'm sure Wiley as a, as a coach, if you see if you see some of your forwards try to put in kicks. You know, that's that's hands in your head stuff. 
<laughs> and apparently they were channeling the runners in Zanbrook and it didn't didn't quite work for them. What do you make of forwards try to kick Wiley? Well, that's very interesting because we were working on our kicking game to play Hamilton and we were working with the backs. And I turned around on Thursday night and said, by the way, this is for backs. I don't want to see forwards <laughs> kicking the ball. And on Saturday, Mark McCormick got the ball and he howitzered one into the opposition half and out into their 22. And I was like, well, if you can do that, if you can back yourself, it's all right if it works. It's always the right, it's always the right decision if it works. If it doesn't, then you, you, you're in trouble. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, player of the match for the Shire girls was Heather Nicholl. Um, that's her first her first match back this season, and a shout out to DJ Burkhead who who managed to score another two tries. She's been uh, she's been on fire for uh, for Shire. She's actually made a few appearances for the Sirens as well, playing playing up. She's um, she's a good player, real good player. Good on them. Yeah, a whole host of good fixtures it was last weekend, and a hell of a lot to be played this weekend. We will fire through them because. I'm sure that Wiley is sick of us by now, Don. Um, he's, waiting, we, he's waiting to find out what we say about this first game here. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we've, uh, we've 12 games to get through very quickly. Plenty of rugby to look forward to this weekend. Wiley, we start with Newton, who are playing Berwick. Are you hoping for maybe a few more good forwards kicks in that game? Or is there a different game plan for this one? I think we'll be looking for an expansive game. Uh, I think the weather's going to be quite decent this week, so hopefully get a bit of a uh, the dry, pitch to dry out a bit. Berwick are a big bunch of boys, uh, and we could do without a day like Saturday pass to play them in. So the, the drier we can have this week, the better, I would say. Uh, obviously, they've got a long way to come. We've got, we've got the return fixture, the last game of the season. So uh, oh, But we know it'll be incredibly hard, so uh, hoping for a good home win. And hoping for... A bit of a bounce back, John. We've uh, we've Saints back at home this weekend, taking on Burr Muir. Yeah, you know, Saints are really five five wins, five losses. Uh, Burr Muir should be a game that they are targeting second second bottom of the league. Saints have been unbeaten at home, I think, all see all season. I don't think anyone's been to Park yeah. Farm and and won. So they'll be hoping for a. Oh, I see Wiley's eyes lit up there. He's he's, he's channeling that game already. Um, but, but yeah, <laughs> not the unbeaten at home, so they'll they'll be looking for a they're looking for a win there. Like, Burham, your second second bottom, only two wins. Hopefully, hopefully a Saints a Saints one at home. And uh, for an away away win, well, I'm hoping for an away win this weekend. Stuart Tree are playing uh, playing Canvas Lang, and going into this one. We obviously we were playing Shield at the weekend, so so no league game. But Garnock did play. They picked up a win, but they didn't get the bonus point win. So it's still incredibly tight at the top. But a, a bonus point win would put would put Stewartry one clear. A lot to play for this weekend. Yeah, Canvas Lang are a, a kind of bit of a bogey team for for Stewartry. Traditionally, they are. I don't know what it is, but the, the discipline always seems to go. Uh, I don't know what it is about the canvas line boys. They seem to be like a red rag to a bull. So it'd be real important for for Stuart to keep their to keep their discipline. Um, they're going into that game, ex- you know, expecting the win. Second, canvas line, no no mugs, sitting fifth in the fifth in the league. Um, so they'll they'll need to be on the ball if they're going to pick up a pick up a win there. Annan, who are coming off the back of a good win, John, they are yet again playing Carrick. Yes, yeah, so it's the same league. So Annan, Annan v Carrick. Carrick 
again, not won a game. Uh, obviously, there was the, the result at the weekend there. Um, Carrick might be... It's either going to go one or two ways. They're either going to have a bounce back or they're going to be disheartened. So, again, Annan only having three wins cannot afford to be complacent and think they are going to go there and turn over Carrick very easily. They, they need to be firing, uh, making sure that they get there and they get another uh, another winning bonus point. And you would you would say the same for for Shire, of course, playing well this season, as we've mentioned while he's spoken, how they're getting on this season, as well as all the other teams in Dumfries and Galloway doing well, but can't be complacent in your away games. They are playing uh, Addingston away from home. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, it's fourth versus fifth though, Roscoe. Even though, even though yeah. when you look at the the table, um, Shire are a couple of couple of points ahead of Addingston. It's still a fourth v fifth. So again, can't be complacent going going into that. So yeah, Addingston seem to have uh, some some big wins at home recently. So Shire will need to be having their two losses they've had this season on the road. They cannot afford to slip up when they go when they travel away. So. Mm-hmm. Again, we keep saying this, Wiley, you'll, you'll agree. Um, you're expected to win your home matches. It's the away games that's going to win you win your leagues and win your promotions. Uh, massively. Uh, anything you pick up on the road is good, but uh, it's always pressure when, uh, it doesn't matter if you're home or away, but uh, when you're told that you're expected to win, it's like the words I dread to hear because I don't know, uh, the complacency can set in. You can talk about it not setting in, but Somebody, I'd much rather be a plucky underdog than a, a firm favourite any day of the week. And John, we spoke of uh, maybe this season being a little bit one step forward, two steps back at times for Moffat, but they're coming off the back of definitely a step forward, we have to say. Uh, and they're at home this weekend. Yeah, home home to Lanark and Clydesdale. They managed to get themselves out of the negative points, you know, the points deduction that they had earlier on in the season for a non-fulfillment. So they're now they're back on back on zero, which is a much better starting point uh, to be on. And Lanark Clydesdale currently sitting bottom, uh, no wins. Moffat sitting second bottom, no wins. So this is the chance. This would be a chance for Moffat to hopefully try and put something together. Lanark and Clydesdale are on negative points because of a points difference, uh, as uh, because of a unfulfillment, sorry, of fixtures. Two even teams. It'll be interesting to see how to see how that plays that plays out. Of course, we want the D and G side to win, so we can we can uh, talk positively. Um, and I'm sure Kami over there will be working his hardest to try and make sure that that happens for them. Now, Wiley, we've got three. Uh, two's games this weekend, which is which is great to see. We've Carter Queens Park Saints twos, we've Carrot twos against Annan twos, and we've Kilmarnock twos against Galloway. How how important for it is the game that we're getting these Dumfries and Galloway sides getting their twos out, folk getting involved in rugby? It's a it's it's a big thing we need to keep going. How important is it? Well, it's absolutely everything, uh, and. Obviously, with the Galloway twos, uh, we, we understand that the clubs involved can't regularly get out a seconds team of their own. Dumfries are managing that, uh, and I, 
you know, it's bound to be a struggle at times. But it's just, I think, the point that you uh, touched on earlier, that there's a great rivalry between the clubs, but to get games of rugby uh, for us clubbing together, together as Galloway 2s, I think, is brilliant. Uh, it gives people a chance to play at a level, continue playing, uh, develop players that are maybe just come up through the, the age grades, you know, 18s, and then, you know, get them used to senior rugby. So uh, it's absolutely priceless, in, in my opinion. And uh, great for retired players as well to pull on the boots. And I'm not sure if uh, Mr Muir's pulled them on yet. I, I heard there was a threat of it. Have you have you had them on? I did, I did, Wiley. I did. When oh, you, good. when you, I'm going to drop you in it. And I'll be, he's glad, he'll be glad he'll phone me and say thanks for that, big bro. But when you, when you drop Jamie down oh. in the <laughs> I've pulled the boots on to have one more run with my with my wee bro. Make oh, sure right, I looked yeah. after him. You know, uh, you know your brother uh, is close to a thousand points for Newton Stewart, or self-proclaimed a thousand points for Newton ah, Stewart. he's just he's just living in my shadow. Well, I've already got a thousand points for the Stewart. So there's no possible way, there's no possible way that you got a thousand points for Stewart. Right? <laughs> I've got a thousand <laughs> points, mate. <laughs> I'm sad enough to track that stuff. <laughs> I can well, that I've ne- I, nobody else tracks it. So Jamie's claiming, and I'm not sure if it's honesty or not, Parp uh, has also claimed to have a thousand points for Newton Stewart, and I know that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't prove it, so... Can't prove it, it, yeah. Can't no prove proof. it, no. Nah, and, that, and that second team uh, pool of fixtures there, Roscoe, Cather uh, Queen's Park couldn't get a team to travel down to Saints uh, the last time. They are currently sitting bottom. So uh, this mm-hmm. is the first meeting of the season for, for those guys. So uh, Saints, three wins. Uh, Carter only one win. So it'll be interesting to see how, how well they do on the road. Obviously, Carrick and Annan. Carrick at home, Annan away. Carrick couldn't get a team out last week <laughs> at home. So I just hope for the Annan boys' sake that they, that's the problem with second team rugby, is just try to get a run of, a run of fixtures. So hopefully hopefully Carrick are able to get something out for, for Annan to be able to have a have a run out. Um, and of course the Galloway team travel to Kilmarnock. So that's that looks like a doozy. That's Kilmarnock are second place in the league. Galloway third place in the league. Galloway granted have only played two games because teams uh, have called off so far on them. So again, hopefully, as well as says we can uh, we can get a squad together to to travel up there and give Kilmarnock a game. Um, and it should be a it should be a good contest for all those guys. Should be as well for the three women's games we have this weekend. John, speaking of a, a thousand points, the Stewartry Sirens are back in action this this weekend, and it seems like. They can't be far off a thousand points. They've been playing exceptional rugby so far this season. Uh, not long to go before they wrap up what has been an exceptional season, and um, they're away to Broughton. Yeah, so twelve nil was the was the last result from those guys in October. The Sirens currently unbeaten on the hunt for a title. A win there takes them one step closer before they play second place bigger. Uh, the weekend after this, so it's a tough, tough journey. Um, but Broughton have only won two games, and they've only won one. One of them have been a home game. They've lost their f- five 
Uh, they've played five home games and lost four of them and only won mm. one. So if sirens keep their form, it has to be it has to be said. Uh, although Wiley will, will hate hearing it, it's an expected sirens win. But complacency again can't afford it. Absolutely, Annan as well are in action against uh, against Greenock and Shire are travelling away to Hamilton in the last two games of our of our weekly roundup. Yeah, so if we, if we look at this, that Shire one, uh, first of all, Hamilton couldn't. Couldn't travel down to them uh, last October, um, so this is their first meeting of of the game uh, the of the season. Shire currently sitting third, Hamilton sitting fifth. Hamilton only two wins. Um, Shire six wins, but Shire have been complacent. They have been up and down, um, especially on the on the road with the with the girls. They cannot afford to let Hamilton get a lead like they allowed Carter. So they'll need to be they'll need to be on the ball. And that'll be a that'll be a battle for them. And if we're talking about battles, Annan versus Greenock in October, the score between those two sides was ninety four five. So Chocolate will be uh, looking looking for his Annan Warriors. Try and close that gap and and see what they can see what they can do. See if they can handle what could potentially be a Greenock onslaught. But this will be a good gauge, a good opportunity for the girls to see how they've developed over the season since October. It was a doesn't seem that long ago, but it is a long time in rugby. Um, if you're training, um, to be able to make some improvements, so it'll be an interesting one for Chalk to see just how far his teams come as a as a good little marker stone for them. Yeah. So twelve games to look forward to this weekend. Plenty of rugby going on. Wiley, before you leave us. There's 12 games, there's rugby absolutely everywhere. How important is it to Dumfries and Galloway, to your club, to the players around you, to the boys about getting out, supporting your local team, sitting on the sidelines, cheering those boys and girls on, grabbing a pint, all that kind of stuff. Community, community rugby here in Dumfries and Galloway. Yeah, it's massive. And I think what you guys are doing here in the pod is great because it's, uh, especially for me, I'm hearing about how some of the, the ladies teams are getting on that I maybe didn't, wouldn't hear about. And the, we know where the games are, so we can, you know, if there's people out and about and they can get to listen to this, they know what's happening. Anybody up in Hamilton over the weekend uh, on Sunday should pop up and see uh, Wigtonshire having their game. Uh, yeah, it's massive and it's it's great that the game's, you know, strong in the area. So, uh, yeah, um, we we'll hope to see busy clubhouses, lots of uh, supporters enjoying themselves and hopefully lots of Dumfries uh, and Galloway success this weekend. Thank you very much to Wiley for spending so long with us, getting through absolutely everything that we had to talk about today. It's been great to hear from you. And Wiley, we really hope for the best for the rest of the season. And we hope to have you on the pod again sometime soon. Thanks very much for having me. And uh, yeah, keep up the good work, guys. Cheers, Wiley. We'll have you on when you win the league, mate. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Only, that was his stipulation, by the way, guys, everybody. I got me when we set this up with Wiley. He said... John, I'm only coming on the pod if we win. I'm not coming on to discuss it. <laughs> <laughs> you can't, you can't yeah. really blame me for that, sure. No, I can't. No. Absolutely not. So, but Newton boys, if you want to hear Wiley on again, you need to go the rest of the season unbeaten. <laughs>